Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host today, Susan Deniker, with Steptoe & Johnson PLLC in West Virginia. On the program, we span the globe and receive updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we will be discussing the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, that's a mouthful, and two important employment laws that have been included in that act. On December 29, 2022, President Biden signed this act into law. And in addition to providing important government funding, it included two laws that provide greater protections for pregnant and nursing employees in the workplace, both the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act and the Providing Urgent Maternal Protections for Nursing Mothers Act, also referred to as the PUMP Act. Now, I know all of that is a mouthful, but Veronica is here with us today and she's going to break it all down. And so Veronica U. Welsh is a partner at Shaw Rosenthal in Maryland, and I'm so excited to welcome her to the program. Veronica, welcome aboard today. It's a pleasure having you. How are you? Thanks, Susan. I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here, and I look forward to our discussion this morning. Me too, because I've got some questions, and I know you've got some answers. (laughs) So, Veronica, a lot of our listeners know a great deal about employment law, or they've got employees, and they want to make sure they're doing the right thing. Let's give them a little bit of background. These laws that were signed into law by President Biden at the end of the year This was not the first time that there have been protections extended to pregnant and nursing employees. So will you give us a little bit of background about what protections already existed before this? Yeah, absolutely. Prior to recently, the protections for pregnant and nursing employees were rooted in the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Fair Labor Standards Act, which I know everyone's probably familiar with. But These statutes provide anti-discrimination provisions related to pregnancy, childbirth, and related medical conditions, accommodations for pregnancy-related disabilities, and break time for nursing mothers. So these protections were already in place, but the act signed into law by President Biden helps to expand that. And let's talk about the two different acts where we see expansion of these rights. Let's first talk about the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, or the PWFA. We love our acronyms in employment law. You've already used them. But talk (laughs) to us about the expanded protections under the PWFA. Yeah, so the PWFA is all about reasonable accommodations. It expands the protections set forth in the ADA by requiring the employer to provide reasonable accommodations for individuals with known limitations arising from pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition. And the big difference here from the ADA is where pregnancy in and of itself is not a disability under the ADA. The PWFA says, regardless of whether the condition constitutes an ADA-covered disability, employers have to provide reasonable accommodations. It also distinguishes what a qualified individual is under the ADA versus the PWFA, where the ADA requires a qualified individual to be able to perform the essential functions of the job with or without an accommodation. The PWFA says even if the employee is only temporarily unable to perform an essential job function, 
that they must be accommodated if it's not an undue burden. And Veronica, as an employment lawyer like you are, this is a big shift in the law from what we had under the PDA, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, because now these employers really are going to look like and be treated like disabled employees under the ADA. They're going to have those same protections, aren't they? Exactly. And yeah, like as you mentioned, the PDA also had its limitations because it didn't guarantee pregnant workers the right to an accommodation. So the PWFA really fills in some of the gaps that the PDA and the ADA missed from the outset. I think the other really significant change in this relates to the leave requirements under the PDA. Veronica, can you explain to employers now, what they're required to do in looking at reasonable accommodation and when they can force pregnant workers to take leave and when they can't? I think part of it is you can't force leave unless that's the only accommodation available. And the PWFA makes that really clear that unless there's no other reasonable accommodation that can be provided, leave really should be the accommodation of last resort under the PWFA. I think that that's really important. I'm so glad you've highlighted that. It's too bad on our podcast we can't highlight something with a yellow highlighter because I know Veronica and I would want to highlight that for you. Often employers go to is, okay, if you can't perform these job functions today, you, you need to go home or you need to take some leave off from work. Now that is the last option for employers. And I think that employers really need to make sure that they're aware of that. Veronica, talk a little bit about how this law is going to be enforced once it goes into effect. Yeah, so the law will be enforced by the EEOC and the U.S. Attorney General's office. And for private employers, the PWFA adopts the powers, remedies, and procedures as set forth in Title VII. So as a Title VII claim, employees will be able to bring a lawsuit against their employer after exhausting their administrative remedies. So a violation of this law is considered an unlawful employment practice. Employers have a little bit of time to get ready for this. Is that right, Veronica? Yes. So the Appropriations Act that you previously talked about stated that this law will go into effect 180 days after enactment. So basically, we're looking at June 27, 2023. So employers, you have a minute, but not very long to start thinking about making these changes. Veronica, what what should they be doing now to prepare for the implementation of the PWFA? Yeah, so the good thing is the PWFA mirrors the ADA. So you're going to have experience in how to work with this new law, including the interactive process, engaging your employees, and coming up with a reasonable accommodation. But one thing to do is to look out for the EEOC's regulations that are required to come out within the year. And these regulations will provide examples of what type of reasonable accommodations an employer can provide. So that will be a great resource for everyone. And like we discussed, don't assume leave is the only option. So make sure you're engaging in that interactive process. And I will mention that the PWFA has a defense for employers that if they make a good faith effort to identify effective, reasonable accommodations, that that might go to a defense to a damages claim. So keep doing what you're doing, learn from your lessons learned from the ADA, and just make sure to engage in the interactive process in good faith. That is all excellent advice. And I don't know if our listeners heard it, but I 
I heard a little hint that maybe you and I could be matched up again for another podcast when the <laughs> when the regs come out. We'll stay tuned for that and I'll look forward to it. This has been such a fascinating conversation and I'm so glad we get to continue it because this was a twofer, right? For implementation of employment laws under this act that was signed at the end of the year. So let's talk about the PUMP Act for a minute. Veronica, break it down for us. What does this mean for employers? Yeah. So before we get to the PUMP Act, let's talk about where this is coming from. What is it expanding? What were the prior protections? So previously, the Fair Labor Standards Act, the FLSA, required employers to provide non-exempt hourly workers with reasonable nursing time to take a break, express milk, when they had this opportunity for one year after the birth of their child. Employers had to provide a private place for the employee to express milk other than a bathroom. And so what the PUMP Act does, it actually expands that right to break time for nursing mothers to exempt employees. So that's one big piece of it is that it's expanding now to both exempt and non-exempt employees. It's still only for one year after the birth of a child. And it's the same requirement, a private location, not a bathroom, where employees are shielded from view and free from intrusion. Another really big change in the PUMP Act is that the law makes very clear that employees must be completely relieved from work during nursing breaks. If they don't, and the employee's working during this break, that can count as compensable time, which for our hourly workers can be an exposure to liability under the wage and hour laws. Very good point, because that's always tricky and can create exposure. So make sure you are completely relieving these folks while they're engaging in expressing breast milk or you need to pay them for that time. When does this law go into effect, Veronica? So the part of the law that requires exempt employees to be included under this law is already in effect. So that went in effect on December 29 when Biden enacted the Appropriations Act. The provision that requires employers to compensate employees if they do work during their breaks will go into effect 120 days from enactment, which would be April 28 of this year. I think, Veronica, you and I would agree that we would advise employers to always be paying employees if they're spending any part of a break working, right? So I wouldn't wait for that. I would do that immediately. And I know Veronica agrees with me. Preparation is key. I would also add that the PUMP Act basically gives employers a 10-day grace period to get in compliance after an employee raises an issue with non-compliance. And so it's really important to, you know, 10 days can fly by. So it's important to be prepared on how you are going to set up these break locations. And also, I would note that this 10-day grace period does not apply if the employer engages in any retaliatory behavior or straight out refuses to provide break time in a private location. So while there is this grace period, you really have to focus on compliance here. Yeah, we'll put that in the don't do that bin, right, Veronica? Exactly. Veronica, help us to navigate another issue here. And that is many of our listeners live in states that also provide legal protections to pregnant and nursing mothers. How should those folks deal with those state law requirements as it relates to these new requirements under both the PWFA and the PUMP Act? Yeah, that's really important because both federal laws do not preempt the state laws. So 
you want to make sure that your state or local laws don't have more restrictive requirements or greater protections for the employees because those will control. So I think sometimes everyone remembers to look at the state law, but they might not look at the local law in your jurisdiction that might have even greater protections that the employer would have to follow. So these two new federal laws, is it fair to say, create a a floor, but not a ceiling in terms of protections that may be out there? Does that sound right? Yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Any other final thoughts for our listeners as they work to try to implement these laws and make sure they're staying on the straight and narrow? Yeah, I think, you know, with any new legal update, it gives employers a chance to update your policies and procedures, make sure you're in compliance, make sure that the policies are very clear for both your employees, your HR and management folks to understand, you know, educate your HR and your managers to make sure that they understand the new requirements and how to implement them. That goes with open lines of communication, which is really important to avoid any unnecessary confusion. And then lastly, you know, we're all in this together. This is new for everybody. So look out for, you know, EEOC regulations that are forthcoming, any other guidance and whatever resources might be out there since, you know, we're all learning about this together and implementing it at the same time. All excellent points. Veronica, this has been a really great discussion about these two new acts. A lot of times when these laws get passed at the end of the year, all of us get into holiday mode and we're not necessarily paying attention to what's going on in the news. And so I'm really glad that you've clued our listeners in so that they can be aware of these important developments. Veronica, you were fabulous. I do hope that we will get to do this again to talk about any changes as they develop. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. This was great. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I hope this program has been as insightful for you as it has been for me today. If you would like to connect with Veronica, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, Search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Susan Deneker from Steptoe & Johnson. Thanks so much for listening.